This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Innovation, I believe to be the pursuit of what can be unburdened by what has been. Innovation results in one's ability not only to see, but to do things differently. We innovate to be more effective and to solve problems. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. Live today from my home, my wife's podcast studio, as she recovers from a major surgery, and she's doing much better. Thank you very much. Thank, I mean, I'm the one really saying thank you, because if something happens to her, I am totally screwed. You think my life is messed up now? I mean, I can't even, I can't even describe how bad it would be. Um, so... Today's kind of a big day. Uh, of course, you can, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we'd appreciate it if you uh, would click the like, share the video, and uh, spread this around today because it's one of the bigger days, I guess, that we've ever done the show. It seems weird. It's a strange day. Something I don't know that we ever thought that we would see. Um, it's been a kind of a sad day for the country, and we're going to break everything down for you uh, from rogue DAs to Ron DeSantis' response to the political outcomes, all that today, as we do the indictment of Donald Trump. Yes, so oh, it's a fun, happy day for the left. They're very excited about this. And, you know, if you thought this wasn't a big story, CNN is here to tell you otherwise. Check out their homepage. They were very excited about this. Uh, this is the homepage of CNN. Trump indicted! Here's 9 million headlines and pictures of Donald Trump. And I guess, you know, it is a big story, certainly. Now, this is, the funny part about this, was the exception of the large font in the headline here. This is what their, their front page looks like every single day. Like, it doesn't matter what is happening in the actual world. They always put Donald Trump and maybe a Russia headline uh, up there. But today, it's Trump, 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 Trump nothing but Trump. Trump, of course, released a statement after he was in the announcement of the indictment came out. Here's part of what he said. This is political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history. From the time I came down the golden escalator at Trump Tower and even before I was sworn in as your president of the United States, the radical left Democrats, the enemy of the hardworking men and women of this country, have been engaged in a witch hunt to destroy the Make America Great Again movement. You may, you know, again, you know, Trump sometimes is a little bit over the top sometimes he takes uh, some liberties with what he's saying but would you would anyone really disagree with any of that from the minute he came down that escalator yes people were trying to destroy him he says you re remember it just like i do russia 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 the Mueller hoax ukraine 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 impeachment hoax one impeachment hoax two the illegal and unconstitutional mar-a-lago raid and now this the democrats have lied and cheated and stolen in their obsession to try to get uh, by trying to get trump but now they've done the unthinkable 
indicting a completely innocent person in an act of blatant election interference. So there you go. And so it goes on, but that's you get the you certainly get the uh, the idea there. Donald Trump not happy at least publicly, uh, with this. There's parts of this that I think he is happy with, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. Nancy Pelosi felt the need to chime in, apparently still uh, still around. She said, The grand jury has acted upon the facts and the law. No one is above the law, and everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. Is that is that how our justice system works? Just I'm asking real quick, just for a friend of mine. Uh, he's in the middle of some legal trouble. Does he need to prove his innocence? Is that how our legal system works? Do you have to prove your innocence? No, that is not. Uh, Just for those uh, out there playing along at home, fill in your scorecards. No, Nancy Pelosi, after 875 years in government, still does not know how our justice system works. Um, And, uh, and of course, the good part about this is Twitter actually... I I will say, you know, we made fun of this when this first happened. Twitter had this... uh, was it called it to be a bird watch or something? They had some situation where they're like, well, what if we have other people on Twitter suggest corrections to tweets that we could put under the tweets? And we're like, oh gosh, this is going to be a disaster. Cause it's gonna, of course it's going to be like, actually men are women. You know, it's going to be stuff like that, but no, sometimes these are actually really helpful. And Twitter had a, um, one of these uh, little uh, corrections below. It said, Ms. Pelosi mistakenly says that Trump can prove his innocence at trial. Law in the U.S. assumes the innocence of a defendant and the prosecution must prove guilt for a conviction. How embarrassing is that if you're Nancy Pelosi? I mean, it really is really bad. Um, now, uh, of course, a big part of this is politics. We know this. Ron DeSantis decided to come out and address this situation as pretty much... Everybody who's thinking about, uh, you know, the 24 race or politics in general kind of had to. Uh, Here's what DeSantis says. The weaponization of the legal system to advance a political agenda turns the rule of law on its head. Kind of like how Nancy Pelosi thought you had to prove your innocence. Uh, It is un-American. The Soros-backed Manhattan district attorney has consistently bent the law to downgrade felonies and to excuse criminal misconduct. Yet he is now stretching the law to target a political opponent. Florida will not assist in an extradition request given the questionable circumstances at issue with this Soros-backed Manhattan prosecutor and his political agenda. We're going to get into the Soros part of this uh, in a little bit because really how this moment came to be is maybe more important than the moment itself. It's a crucial thing to understand uh, how this process worked and how this was an intentional thing. This is a payoff of a lot of effort over a long period of time. We'll get into that uh, here in a second. Now, DeSantis took some heat for his last response, which, you know, I, I'm i uncomfortable with it, honestly. I mean, like last time he got in trouble with some people on the right for saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't have brought up the Stormy Daniels thing. You shouldn't have said the porn star thing. And like, I get that, you know, because it is an old story. It's we're past it already. People have already voted in the presidential election that that followed the, the revelation of that information. People have already judged it. But like, I do feel like there's a real double standard here with our Republican presidential candidates. For some reason, we just let Donald Trump kind of like do whatever he wants. And we all say, hey, all is fair in love and war. And that's a fine standard. I mean, if you that's the standard you want, I'm fine with it. But, you know, when DeSantis fires back a little bit, all of a sudden, he's way over the line, and that's a low blow. we got to have the same standard for these guys. I, I, I want to see a real ideological fight between Republicans to see who has the best ideas 
I'd rather it not be fought on the, oh, yeah, well, you were with a, you were with a porn star. Oh, yeah, where you were at a, a party once with college kids or whatever, whatever the stupid narrative of the day is. I'd like both of those to be wiped out. I'd like to be fought on the battlefield of ideas. That's what I would like. But, like, if we're going to go down this road, we can't hold one candidate to the standard and not the other. If they all want to take slaps at each other, look, I think for DeSantis, this would be a losing battle. I don't know that anyone does any, but uh, kind of like anything goes politics better than Donald Trump. So I don't think this is a good road for DeSantis to go down. But we can't say, hey, the reason we like Donald Trump is because he fights. And yeah, occasionally there's a low blow in there, but that's OK because he's fighting and that's what's important. But uh, but Ron DeSantis, he, we, I'm clutching my pearls. I can't hear him say something bad about a porn star. Yeah, let's just get over it. Let's have the same rules for everybody. You want to go down these roads? Fine. I'd rather it go uh, tax policy, frankly. But if we're going to go down these roads, let's have the rules uh, be, I don't know, a little equal. Now, one of the other complaints about DeSantis's um, statement last time was that he did not come out and say, well, I'm going to circle Mar-a-Lago with uh, state troopers and and make sure that no one can extradite Donald Trump. Uh, Now, Look, there's no indication to to say that that's necessary. I mean, Donald Trump seems by all indications to be going to surrender and just give give himself up here. Um, So I don't know that there's really any reason to be talking about this. You know, and I don't know what it's hard to know what DeSantis means by this. We've covered this before in the Constitution, Article 4, Section 2. You kind of have to go along with this at some level. There are ways you can maybe bump it off down the road a little bit. The timing of of an arrest in another state. Here's the Constitution, by the way. A person charged in any state with treason, felony, or other crime who shall flee from justice and be found in another state shall on demand of the executive authority of the state from which he fled be delivered up to be removed to the state having jurisdiction of the crime. There's some technicalities that DeSantis could work in. The other part about this is a lot of it's politics. It's not unconstitutional for Ron DeSantis to tweet about not allowing uh, uh, an extradition. And the bottom line is Trump's going to go anyway on his own. So this may just be politics. DeSantis correctly sees this as a problem. If he were going to say, well, I'm, I'm glad they're arresting him. Uh, he deserves to be arrested. He'd know he would be torched in his campaign. So he's not going to do that. He's going to talk tough and we'll see if there's something behind it. It's hard to know exactly what that would be, but there are ways for him to maybe delay this a little bit if he wanted to. Though, again, it seems like Trump is going to turn himself in. We do think, of course, that... This is sort of the best case scenario for everyone, with maybe the exception of of Ron DeSantis and some of his other competitors for the Republican nomination. Donald Trump does not want to be indicted. He does not want this to happen to him. However, with the knowledge that it is happening, he's going to milk this thing for everything it's worth. And that's what you do as a politician. You take the, the hand you're dealt and you play it to the best of your ability. This is going to help Donald Trump in the primary, at the very least, short term. Now, we are far away from votes actually being cast, so it's certainly possible this comes and goes. But I don't know if you felt this at all, because I certainly did. When someone comes after a person on, you know, who you believe is being wronged, really any side, especially if it's someone on your side, and, and you feel like they're being wronged, they're being attacked for political purposes, you can't help yourself by wanting to defend that person. You know, like I, there are there have been talk show hosts, for example, that ha, that have you know I don't I don't like it all, um, maybe not my cup of tea, that get attacked because of something they said on the air, and like I just feel the need to defend them because free speech is important to me, and the same thing applies here. Like 
persecuting your political opponents for no reason, no legitimate legal reason. And that's the case here. There's no legitimate legal reason here, especially with someone like Alvin Bragg, who he'll let like murderers out of jail, drug dealers out of jail, uh, rapists out of jail. He doesn't care about any of this crap. One of the things he's been proud of, and this ties into the Second Amendment conversation we have all the time, is letting people with gun possession charges out of prison and not prosecuting him. This is what he does all the time. He lets everything go. That's his thing. Everything go. Any crime you want, don't worry about it. I'm not going to prosecute it unless, of course, your name is Donald Trump. And I think Republican primary voters are going to look at this and say, hey, I'm sick. I'm sick of you going after this guy. You obviously hate him. You'll do anything to take him down. I'm going to stand here and and stand with him to defend him. And I think that's going to be a natural reaction for a lot of people. So it's good for Donald Trump in that way. It's also good for the Democrats in their mind. And this is a, this is important to understand that this doesn't necessarily mean they're right in this analysis. But what they see is a guy like Ron DeSantis, who they don't really have a game plan against yet. They tried to beat him in Florida. They lost by 20 points. It's been a, a rough road to get anything on this guy. And this applies to many of the other candidates on the right as well. They, they think they might be able to beat him, but they don't they don't have a game plan. They don't feel like they go into it with half the country already decided. With Donald Trump, they they feel, again, this is the way they're thinking, look, we beat him in 2020, we can beat him again. He's done nothing but hurt himself since the 2020 election with January 6th and, you know, getting indicted and, you know, whatever other scandal you want to bring up from the last couple of years. And they think they can win. Now, look, they are also idiots. And they thought this in 2016 as well. They rooted for Donald Trump to come through the primary. Um, and they think they can, if he gets through the primary, they're going to beat him. They they rolled those dice in 2022 as well in the midterms. We get these Trump candidates up there. We think we can beat them. It worked in 2022. They would argue it worked in 2020. They would argue it didn't work in 2016, but let's forget about that. They want Donald Trump to be the nominee because they think they can beat him. That might be a huge mistake for them. They might be idiots. But that's what they want. So this, of course, thing kind of pleases both sides here in a weird, weird sort of way. The odd part about this is that even people on the left realize the case is a giant zilch. When you're talking about the actual merits of this, not the politics of it, not the media reaction, but the actual merits, when you look into that, you realize that even people on the left don't buy it. The Washington Post has an op-ed. Uh, the Trump indictment is a poor test case for prosecuting a former president. Of course, one of the big parts of this is Alvin Bragg can't charge Donald Trump with this the way it is currently uh, constructed because he's already, of course, um, you know, he's already had a situation here where he could have he could have been charged years ago, but the statute of limitation runs out. So what do you do? Well, you can, of course, try to pile up different charges on top of each other to get to a felony and get it out of the misdemeanor thing that that limits that you're limited by the statute of limitations. Here's what the Washington Post writes. Pyramiding two two transgressions of state rules to go after a federal candidate is legally plausible, but the strategy is also novel and courts may regard it with skepticism. What's more, the political, the potential campaign finance charge itself 
is shaky. When federal prosecutors uh, charged former Senator John Edwards with a similar crime following his 2008 presidential run, he rebutted the accusation by arguing he was trying to disguise his faithlessness from his wife, cancer-stricken wife, by the way, rather than from the voting public. The trial ended in acquittal on one count and hung jury on others, at which point the Justice Department dropped the charges. They finished the op-ed, public perception and political strategy shouldn't dissuade a a district attorney from bringing a solid case, but neither should they persuade him to bring a shaky one. That's where we are. This prosecution needs to be airtight, otherwise it's not worth continuing. Now, Politico, it's funny because uh, Politico is just out there saying it. They're just going to admit it straight out. They don't care if this is a good case or not. Opinion in Politico, Trump seems to be a victim of a witch hunt. So what? That's a real headline from Politico. Um, Now, The Nation, which is a far left-wing publication... They'll tell you the truth, but they're going to also be honest about how bad of a case this is. It's an interesting piece. Donald Trump has been indicted. Don't get your hopes up is the headline. Let me give you a couple of highlights. They say uh, the case that they're trying to go after Donald Trump on, this isn't getting Al Capone for tax evasion. This is getting Al Capone for illegally serving alcohol at his underground poker game. It's minor, but it's also obvious. Criminal bookkeeping is just as ticky tacky as it sounds. But all the available evidence shows that Trump did it. Now, the problem as they go on is this. As Alexa is quick to remind me, it's not 2020 or 2021, and this is not federal court. We are in the year 2023, and a local DA is trying to gather up some bits of the jurisdictional authority federal prosecutors left lying on the ground. It's not a clean shot. Bragg is trying to bank in a half-court heave off the backboard after the shot clock buzzer has already sounded. And if you know anything about basketball, you'll know that even if you make that shot, it still doesn't count. It's after the buzzer's gone off. Now, this is a guy at The Nation who has no interest in helping Donald Trump. I want to give you, after hearing that analysis, they're saying it's not going to work. They go on and on and on, all the reasons why it's BS and just not going to be successful. But look at where this guy's coming from. When he outlines this case, this is how bad their case is. He wants this to happen. I think prosecutors should use every means necessary, fair or unfair, to trip Trump up. If you could get this guy for taking a penny without ever leaving one, which I'm sure he does, I'd want to get him for that. But I want to get him. And these charges don't feel likely to accomplish that. Look, it's understandable, I think, to wake up today and say to yourself, hey, the country's falling apart. We're in a banana republic here. Our system has been destroyed. This is an embarrassment and, you know, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing left to save here in America. But I will say, when you look at our system, and of justice in particular, we've always been susceptible to this kind of thing. This is the type of thing that our system is pretty vulnerable to. Any guy in some district somewhere locally can bring a case against a big public figure to raise their profile. That's always been true. And it's happened before. Um, It's always been the case that this type of thing can happen. The system is here. And I still think it's the greatest justice system in the world. America is still great. And the system steps in now, right? The crappy charge is brought. And all all these shenanigans and and circus acts are going to go on. But the bottom line is what happens at the end of this process? Can Donald Trump defeat this? Will this be tossed out of court, hopefully quickly? At the end of this road, yes, they're targeting him. Yes, all the complaints that Donald Trump has are real. Yes, your feeling of banana republic is getting closer and closer to reality. 
but we should at least see how this plays out because our system hasn't even had a chance to deal with this yet. It's kind of like when you, when, you know, the lawsuit situation. You can always file a frivolous lawsuit for some crazy reason. That doesn't mean you're going to win. And I hope that's where we're going now. I want to get into more of this on the, the other side of this when it comes to how all of this became a reality. We'll do that next. All right, so you got the pants, the shirt, the shoes, everything you need to dress, to impress, and to turn heads every time you walk out the door. That's what happens to me, I know. Uh, everyone's turning. Well, they usually turn the other way with me, but that's a different situation. The only problem is the moment you walk out the door, your pants might fall down. And why would they fall down? Well, you forgot your stylish belt. Mm-hmm. That's why you need Grip6. Grip6 is a small company in Utah. They sell all across the United States and all over the world. But they source almost everything they use to make its products in America. We're talking about making, making America great again. A lot of that has to do with manufacturing. And Grip6 has done their part. Their belts are awesome. You'll love them. They don't set off the... You can get the carbon fiber ones that don't set off the, uh, the detectors at the airport. So you don't have to deal with that, taking it off all the time. They have great wallets. They have awesome socks as well. All made and sourced right here in America. And if that wasn't enough, Grip6 also carries a bunch of other designs. You're going to love it. You can customize it as well. Go to Grip6.com slash stew. Use the code stew. Save 15% right now. It's Grip, the number 6.com slash stew. Get 15% off today. Grip6.com slash stew. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So it's important to understand where all this came from. Alvin Bragg isn't just Alvin Bragg. He is a minion in an army. And these guys are planted all across the country. We've seen, you know, everyone's been talking about Chicago and San Francisco. And uh, even in Florida, we're seeing some of these guys, Soros-backed prosecutors. Now, Soros is angry about this. He's fired back now. He's fired back at claims linking him to prosecutor uh, Bragg. He says, I did not contribute to the campaign. Let me give you his actual full statement here. He says, Alice for Alvin Bragg, as a matter of fact, I did not contribute to his campaign and I don't know him. He continued, I think some on the right would rather focus on far fetched conspiracy theories than on the serious charges against the former president. So is this some sort of a racist, anti-Semitic conspiracy theory? George Soros, of course, just a huge liberal financier. He believes in far progressive, crazy liberal things that I don't. And that's why he's interesting to me. I don't know. I don't I don't care about his background. I don't care about any of this. I don't care about any of this, that stuff. Now, if you listen to people like Joe Scarborough, he will tell you the only reason you could possibly care about George Soros is because he's Jewish or something. I don't know. Listen to this nonsense. He can't help himself. Ron DeSantis embarrassed himself by saying he was going to fight extradition charges like he has any say. I mean, again, one more Republican that really just doesn't give a damn about the Constitution of the United States. No, uh, and of course, you've got to 
you, 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 you gotta just huh? say it. What's go this for it. Line Look at the Soros back. No, it's just Jews. They're attacking Jewish oh. international bankers. It's what anti-Semites have been doing for hundreds of years, attacking Jewish international bankers, and that's what they do. They try oh. to blame everything on Jewish international bankers. It's Germany, 1933. But oh. why does Ron DeSantis further embarrass himself by saying, I'm going to ignore the Constitution and I'm not going to extradite Trump to New York? Guys, it's Germany, 1933 out there. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, because we criticize the, the largest financiers of the opposing party of Ron DeSantis. That's who he's criticizing. The largest financier of the opposing party. When is it, have you ever heard of the Koch brothers? Now, one of them, he's gone. We've lost him. But there's a Koch brother back. He still, of course, he's a libertarian and really, you know, doesn't, he's not a partisan like that. But that was what they, every single freaking thing they said was going after the biggest financier on the other side and criticizing them. They did it to Sheldon Adelson. They've done it to uh, Steve Wynn. They've done it to Donald Trump. They've done it to everybody who spends money on the right. That's just the way uh, this goes. Um, and honestly, like this idea that Alvin Bragg and George Soros are tied is blatantly obvious. It's something that has been known for a very long time, despite the denials of George Soros today. Ben Collins tweeted this. He said, Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr. and Ron DeSantis have all claimed Alvin Bragg is Soros backed or aligned since the news of the indictment dropped. In reality, Soros has never met or spoken to Alvin Bragg, according to a CNBC story from last week. Is that the standard? You have to meet and hang out? Like, I don't know, you go on a jet ski trip? Maybe you go do a little golfing? Ever you get together for a vacation or something? Maybe you work out at the same gym? What? what? If I give $10 million to some candidate in Ohio that I've never met, does that mean I'm not a backer of that candidate? What kind of idiotic standard is this? It's one that is so blatantly ridiculous, but they still can't help themselves. It's not just them either. The New York Times uh, did this as well. Explaining the ties between Alvin Bragg and George Soros. Are there ties? I don't know. It's a close call. Here, This is all they have on them, and I want you to understand this is it. This is it. Now, of course, he's Jewish, and that's number one. But number two is this. Mr. Bragg announced his candidacy for the position in 2019. Nearly two years later, on May 8, 2021, the political arm of Color of Change, a progressive criminal justice group, endorsed him. It pledged to spend $1 million, remember that number, $1 million on direct mailers, on-the-ground campaigning, and voter turnout efforts on his behalf. It did not donate to Mr. Bragg's campaign directly. A few days later, six days later, on May 14th, Mr. Soros contributed that exact amount, $1 million to the group, which intended to help Mr. Bragg with the money. You don't think it's valid at all to bring up George Soros in this context? Really? Are you that dense? Seriously? And I, of course, the answer to this is no. They just want to act as if they can call everybody anti-Semitic every time they disagree with someone. Um, and, you know, this is the type of thing George Soros has been doing for a long time. He takes a bunch of his money. He, he strategizes and comes up with the best possible way to use it in his mind and then dumps it into those causes. He tried this with Secretary of State. This is after the 2000 election. He was concerned about the way the Florida vote count went down. So he invested heavily in Secretary of State uh, elections. 
cheap elections. You can you can buy a winner very easily there. You can't buy a president. It's hard. You got to spend billions of dollars. Some local DA, some local secretary of state, you dump a million dollars into a race like that, you make a massive difference. So that was his actual stated strategy and the type of strategy that he used to be praised for in the media. They're denying it's true now. But this was the exact strategy they used to praise him for. Politico wrote this story. George Soros' quiet, quiet overhaul of the U.S. justice system. This is back all the way back in 2016. How old were you in 2016? Here's what uh, they wrote back then when it was, it was cool that he was overhauling this uh, justice system of ours. While America's political kingmakers inject their millions into high-profile presidential and congressional contests, Democratic mega-donor mega George Soros has directed his wealth into an under-the-radar 2016 campaign to advance one of the progressive moment's core goals, reshaping the American justice system. And again, remember the big defense here is that Alvin Bragg has never spoken to, uh, to George Soros. That is the way this works. He doesn't need to. He sees that they align with his goals. And I'm not saying that Bragg is doing anything he doesn't believe in here. Bragg does believe that he should take down Donald Trump whether he has to break the law to do it or not. He does believe that. Alvin Bragg does believe that every uh, criminal should just be let out, basically, unless they've committed a massively serious crime. And in that case, yeah, maybe we should still let him out. Uh, they, he, this is his philosophy. It, it aligns with George Soros. Just Soros isn't telling him, oh, well, I need you to arrest this person and arrest this person. Bragg wants to do these things. But they are, the reason he's got this job largely is because of someone like George Soros who backed him up. Now, as far as them not meeting, let me give you this, from that political story. Scott Collum, he was a Mississippi prosecutor who Soros uh, uh, defended and, and, and backed and supported financially, says he has never met Soros like other district attorney candidates supported by the Democratic billionaire this year. This has been very common to the way George Soros has done this. And this is what's important to understand. You know, I on a show with Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck has been talking about George Soros for many, many years, and many, many people blew him off. They said he was an anti-Semite. They said he was a person who, you know, was just coming up with conspiracy theories, found his boogeyman, whatever. Think about the immense power George Soros is wielding here. This day, this indictment of Donald Trump is essentially a purchase it's like you going on eBay, you going on Amazon, and ordering deodorant to the house. That's what George Soros did here. He purchased a person into a local DA office who then, who basically went to Donald Trump and got him indicted because of that being a high priority for liberal progressives. They wanted him hurt. They wanted him taken out. They want to raise money off of it. They want all the things that go along with an indictment of Donald Trump. They want to see the guy in handcuffs. So George Soros ordered it on Amazon and got it. That's how this worked. And it's a fundamental truth of this, no matter how much they wanted to deny it. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
Okay, so we all know how the media is going to try to spin the Trump indictment. We're watching them do that in real time right now. But what's really going on behind the scenes on the Donald Trump side of things? Uh, I want to bring in John Zadrozny. He's the deputy director of investigations for America First Legal. John, how's it going? It's going great, Stu. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, I mean, you were in the middle of this, right? You worked in the Trump administration. You've been in Washington a long time. Did you ever think you'd see the day where something like this would happen? I have to say, I don't think I would. I mean, it's one of those things that we've been dealing with in politics for years where we're told, usually when Democrats are in charge, the Democrats are doing something. Well, you can't prosecute that person. That prosecution would be political. Um, and this is for the first time in the history of the United States. A former president has been indicted on a felony at the state level uh, or any crime. Um, now, the thing that I find most surprising actually about this is that it actually happened. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about it for a while. But what I find really stunning, Stu, is that basically I think they have in injected new life into Donald Trump, his campaign and Americans, your conservatives commitment to Donald Trump, because the reality is before this, he was, you know, there were some issues people were saying he might not do well. There's there are a lot of people jumping in on the primary challenge. Uh, the minute that indictment leaked, the information about the indictment leaked, Donald Trump became the favorite to win the nomination. Because Americans, especially conservatives, are sick of what they see as a politicization of prosecutorial tools in this country. And, uh, you know, it's not like, for what it's worth, I used to work for the New York County District Attorney's Office. I was an ADA for four years there. Hmm. And it was a very apolitical office. It was, I would dare say at one point in time, it was the gold standard for state level prosecutions in the United States. And now it's just a political hack office that the DOJ can tap whenever it needs to prosecute a Republican. Um, I think what they've done is that they've basically ignored the fact that there's a county full of people who want crime stopped in New York County. And instead of stopping murders, rapes, robberies, you name it, in New York County, they're going to do the DOJ's bidding and make Donald Trump, uh, you know, try and make him a criminal. And I don't think it's going to work out. It, it really is embarrassing, frankly. Um, is there anything that, that to this at all? I mean, they're trying to lump on multiple charges to elevate it to a felony. I mean, legally speaking, do they have any leg to stand on at all? Is this novel approach even possible? Uh, Stu, I don't think so. And I, I, we don't know everything right now because the indictment is not public and it should be next week or it probably will be next week. But my understanding about what we do know is that it's very flimsy. It sounds like it's a charge that is actually expired in terms of being able to be charged. There's something called the statute of limitations. Most crimes have them, which means you have to charge the crime within a certain number of years of the incident occurring for it to be a valid criminal charge. My understanding is that time has lapsed, but Alvin Bragg and his team of political hacks have found a way to make sure that they can attach it to a federal crime to make it more current. and. I, I've heard some people who know far more about the law, including Jonathan Turley and Alan Dershowitz, say this is garbage and it's not going to hold up. It's also worth uh, pointing out, as I have to give credit to Alan Dershowitz for pointing this one out, that uh, why did they wait so long? If they thought this was a problem, this is something that should have been prosecuted years ago when Donald Trump was in New York and they could send a few police officers to Trump Tower to arrest him. They've waited till he moved to Florida to have even an even flimsier foundation for the crime. And so now they've Sometimes I wonder if this is just about the theatrics of getting into a fight with Ron DeSantis and getting Governor DeSantis to say we're not going to extradite him to New York. Um, but it sounds like it's a very flimsy. Uh, honestly, I can't see what would happen here. In fact, normally this is the type of charge that would not even be on the radar of a prosecutor's office in a city like New York. Um, it would be lucky if it even got a plea. 
so I'm interested to see what will happen. Uh, we'll find out, I guess, next week, starting next week. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see the actual details of this. We still don't know, as you point out, there's still a lot to know. And, and there's a there's a process here. Uh, I think, you know, Nancy Pelosi said he had to go prove his innocence. That's not actually how our system works. But there is well, there are layers to this system. And you know, sh- should the American people be confident in those layers at this point? I mean, you know, we have seen the Supreme Court certainly act appropriately several times recently on important cases. I mean, is should we still have faith that in the end of the at the end of the day, this is going to get tossed and this is going to go the right direction? Uh, I can't answer that question, Stu. I, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that most judges in New York are willing to follow the law and, and not let politics run the day. Um, you know, law is supposed to be apolitical. It used to be that way in New York, especially in New York County, from my experience. Uh, but I, I think we do need to be very careful here. We do not want a situation where we become a banana republic without the bananas, where people <laughs> just start prosecuting the people they don't like and start taking people out of political races by prosecuting them. To me, that's basically what it seems like is happening here. I mean, honestly, in some ways, if they really, truly didn't want Donald Trump to continue to be a force in politics, they would ignore him. Uh, but by indicting him, you basically put him in a place where he gets to say, look, uh, they're trying to keep me out of this race. They don't want me to be president again. And maybe they have a point. And maybe he has a point, rather, which is that he's ready to make sure certain things get taken down when he, if he were to win the office again. And they're going to use the criminal justice system in a very Soviet manner, you know, a show me the man and I'll show you the crime type manner to take him out. Um, so I, I don't know what the future holds for how this proceeds in the courts. I can I would bet money, though, that the way this usually works in, in something like this is in a white collar scenario at the state level. This would be played out unless there was just some sort of no go on the sentence for the defendant. Um, but I can't imagine a scenario where Avon Bragg would not want a circus trial. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. I really I, New York's Donald Trump is not actually the one on trial here. I think New York's criminal justice system and New York's judicial integrity is on trial. Yeah, I think one of the big problems here is that the incentives are just lined up in a very bad way. I mean, in some ways, as you point out in the primary, I think this probably helps Donald Trump. Uh, you know, the Democrats, I think, want to face Donald Trump. They want that battle. They think they can beat him. I think they've made that mistake before, uh, but they, I think that's what they think. And Alvin Bragg is the guy who wants to run for governor or senator or something else someday. All this is doing, you know, if he keeps pushing this, it's good for him, and, and that's really a problem. I would love to know what these guys were talking about behind the scenes as this was being put together. And I know you're at America First Legal now. You guys are doing an, uh, an investigation to try to find out exactly what went on behind the scenes that led to this moment. Is that right? Yes, that's correct, Stu. We filed a FOIA request, or in New York, it's the Freedom of Information Law, or FOIL instead of FOIA, uh, to get the communications between Alvin Bragg and his senior officials and other federal officials and outside groups and possibly even the New York Times. Um, I can see a scenario. There are two scenarios, I think, that are the most likely here regarding this particular case. One of which is that Alvin Bragg and his team were talking with the Department of Justice and the Department of Justice basically said to them in email and phone calls, hey, look, we'd love to throw Donald Trump in jail, but we just can't afford the optics of Joe Biden throwing his competitor in prison. Will you do it, Alvin? And that he decided to do it. If there are communications to that effect, it's a bad thing for both sides. Um, the other scenario, though, is actually in some ways almost better for Donald Trump, which is that there was no communication or the communication was the federal government said, yeah, this is a garbage charge. We're not going to chase this one down and go for it, Alvin. And in my experience, what the feds had done when I was at the DA's office, I think this is probably a similar battle in every jurisdiction between state and federal prosecutors. 
the states will indict particular defendants. Uh, they think they have got a great case, and then the feds swoop in and say, we'll take that from you. And it's usually like the sweet, easy, juicy case that's easy to get a conviction. Um, so in a situation where the federal government is not swiping a case from the state government, you have to ask yourself if this is a crappy case. And that may be the case here. Hmm. All right, we got about one more minute here, John. Um, uh, talk to me for a second about just what this what this all means. I, I really feel like when we're talking about precedent, certainly there's going to be upstart Republican leaning, uh, you know, DAs that try to do the same thing to the other side. This is just opening up, a, 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 you know, a bag of snakes we do not want uh, to open up. What does this mean long term? So I, I think the, the left has opened up that bag of snakes and there'll be no way to close it. Uh, but I, I would throw one caveat out. For years, we've been told, you know, Nancy Pelosi, who's clearly never read the Constitution in their life. A lot of lefties have been running around saying no one is above the law. But there's a pretty significant asterisk next to that, which is uh, every liberal Democrat public official who's been elected for the last 30 years has been excused from being prosecuted for crimes because they were a political official. Now, I, I would certainly never encourage Republicans to prosecute people just because. But we should certainly be looking at situations where we think someone's committed a crime, regardless of whether they're dog catcher or senator or president. And so I think what we're going to see in the future is the Democrats have sort of set the precedent now where it's OK to look at any elected official and look into their criminal activity. So, you know, Hillary, Bill, all of those people along the line, uh, those cases are open again. And I think Americans need to take that seriously and hopefully Republicans will, too, and not back down. I think it's a bad day for the country, although I, it, the good part about it was you embracing my bag of snakes analogy. And at least that we at least got there. I appreciate it so much. Uh, John Zadrozny, he's the deputy director of investigations for America First Legal, doing important work. I can't wait to see what, what happens with this FOIL uh, request. Uh, John, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you, Stu. Thank you very much. All right, market on your calendar. Big day coming up May 5th. Mark it on your calendar now. Don't forget, because this is a big one for our favorite senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. Now, you may have seen the news this week uh, of John Fetterman. He is going to return to the Senate, uh, not, not on May 5th, but on April 17th or the week of April 17th. Uh, he is, of course, recovering from his uh, series of health ailments. Uh, the stroke obviously happened. He you know, can't speak, can't communicate, can't do his job in any capacity. And of course, then also was depressed about that and so many other things, apparently. Uh, but we, of course, wish him the best for his health. Uh, we want him to get better because, you know, we're human beings and he's a human being and I want him to get better. I don't want him to be a senator. I mean, I will say the Senate without John Fetterman I've not missed his presence there. He's really, really bad at his job. He's going to vote incorrectly every single time he's given the opportunity. So him coming back to the Senate doesn't excite me all that much, but I hope he is recovering. Um, we should note why May 5th is a big day. Now, back when you, if you go back, he's um, sworn in, was it January 2nd or 3rd? Um, and he comes into the Senate. And, you know, of course, there's a bunch of days of taking photos and photo opportunities and posing for, I don't know, for pictures and shaking hands and kissing babies, meeting your colleagues. There's not a lot of work going on there, but we should count that uh, those as actual work days. And if you count those as actual work days, he worked like 43 days before he left his job. 
And of course, you know, obviously there's a big lead up to uh, to leaving, you know, for treatment like this. So we don't know how much work he got done in those 43 days, but let's count them anyway. 43 days he was actually in office and did some theoretical work. And then he went off to get treatment and he this if he comes back and actually does show up uh, the April 17th, that will mean he worked for 43 days and then took off 61 days. Not the most productive schedule, but I will note this, and it's important. If he does all this, he comes back and continues to work and doesn't have any other absences. On May 5th, he will have worked more days than he's been out. And that is a big day for John Fetterman. Congratulations. More days working than not working. What a, I mean, I'm counting weekends, obviously, in that. There's a lot of qualifying scenarios there that, you know, might bend that math a little bit. But May 5th, write it down on your calendar now, the day that John Fetterman became a senator. We'll see you then. May 5th, Johnny Fetterman and his weird wife. See you then, May 5th. Back in a second. Before we go for the weekend, I want to thank you one more time for all of your great messages of support after what has been a miserable week in some some ways, but some good news as well. Uh, of course, if you missed the news, we lost our dog earlier in the week, and the next day my wife had a, a pretty major surgery. She's recovering now, and that's why I'm home using her podcast studio with a wonderful pink sign behind me. Um, the Lisa page made me do it, uh, on Instagram. If you want to uh, follow her progress there, um, she, you know, she had her kidney removed. It was kind of a big thing for us. Uh, but I appreciate all your words of support and, uh, yeah, she's been, you know, she can actually get up out of the recliner now. She's had to sleep in the recliner. I will say if after like six months, she's still saying like, ah, I still got to sleep in the recliner tonight. I'm going to be a little worried, but, uh, we'll see you next week.